The last one's at the bar. Exclusively talks about the sport of boxing. Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar, the number one podcast dedicated to talking about the sweet science. We're the best in the business. I solemnly swear. Today we got the big three all in the building. As I always say, you know, if you you know a little bit of boxing, then you might be able to join a team. You got Vale being Steph. Danny is Clay. Well, I guess I'm Draymond Green. What's up, my good? What's up, my good warrior? Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Everything's good, man. Thanks for the uh, the, the intro. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call myself exactly Steph, but hey, I'll take it today. <laughs> How you feeling, Will? Uh, I'm a little, little, um, little, little fatigued, but I, you know, I'm not the complainer. And, and um, as you 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 mentioned and you asked, how am I doing? I just want to send a quick shout out to my boy Vale. Vale came through yesterday. He know I'm in the process of moving, and so he helped you know move your boy down there to uh, like that Hoffman Center area that I was telling you uh, fellas about off podcast, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So again, shout out to Ville, you know what I mean? Uh, you saw how I was whipping that Penske truck, Ville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, man, shout out to Ville. Man, that was a, a tedious process yesterday. Now, I would be remiss if I, I didn't mention this one point. Now, it was all good until Ville violated the man code. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-oh. So my spot is new, right? And so we don't walk past like 25 <laughs> bathrooms. <laughs> so this man, he he looking at my bathroom, he like, man, you don't have any uh no no toilet paper. I'm like, no, we moving. <laughs> yeah, he closed the door behind him, you know what I'm saying? And he went to the John. I'm like, oh my God, man, come on, man. You can't be <laughs> hey, my own John. They gonna put that on record. <laughs> <laughs> this is bringing it up, man. I didn't see any. I didn't see any we, we passed any. I, that was the first one I saw, and I was like, hey. But it's all good, man. I, I, I really appreciate it, though. Yeah, no problem. Yes, sir. Circle complete now because everybody helped somebody move in the, in the pod now. So we out here. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you talked about it. He was telling me that he had some 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 good moves, some bad moves. You know, we were in the kind of in between. It was yeah. it, it went well. It just from a scheduling standpoint, we had some hiccups here and there. But yeah, I yours more scheduled, like. uh materialize I, I had some some ones that you know took some years off my life i had some ones that just memorable like danny had one that was memorable i, I don't think it was necessarily took anything off my life or anything but it, it, i remember it being a uh recliner couch you know and, and it has that metal at the bottom oh yeah it's on one side it just sits it just, so all the weight is on that one side and then i think at the time Danny was recovering from an ACL, you know, injury. Mm-hmm. So already I'm like, man, this dude, I don't want this dude to, you know, Must injure see. himself where he don't Wonder. walk anymore. <laughs> so, so he toughed that one out, man. You know, we we gutted it, had to take it down the stairs and stuff like that. So that's what I'm saying. That's that's what it's all about, man. You know, in life, you know, you gotta make some sacrifices. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying in order to get, you know, what it is that you want. You know, and unfortunately, this past weekend, we had a fighter who wasn't willing to make the sacrifice just to make weight. You know what I mean? And, and so we had to settle for the co-main event being the main event. You guys have any thoughts on Zerto Ramirez coming in 12 pounds heavier than the 175-pound weight limit? Yeah. I'm like, man, like, 
it's 12 pounds. I mean, not not a couple pounds, not two pounds, not three pounds, not five pounds. It's 12 pounds. So Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, he comes in this fight against Gabriel Rosado. And Gabriel Rosado, tough guy, but his best weight was probably about middleweight or light middleweight. Really, he's, he's kind of a between... To me, when I look at him size-wise, he's between middleweight and super middleweight. So he's fighting at 175, right? Light heavyweight, fighting possibly, arguably, the biggest light heavyweight there is, which is Ramirez, Gilberto Ramirez. And Ramirez, I'm pretty sure he walks around, you know, 200 pounds plus. So it's interesting that he came in, I think he weighed in at 187 pounds. So when you think about how much weight he's gonna, he would have gained, had this fight taking place, man, Zerto would have been like 205, 210, 215, possibly, while Rosado probably wouldn't weigh no more than 180. You know what I'm saying? So it's a it's a it's a safety thing, you know, when it comes to, to, to fights like this. And one of the things that, that bogged me up is that Zerto came in the day of the weigh-in overweight. Like this. When you're 12 pounds over, normally when fighters do this, normally they know this maybe a week in advance or maybe two weeks. Because normally you, 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 go, you come within that 12 pounds if you're trying to make weight. You come within that 12 pounds probably about two weeks out or a week and a half out. So if he had a good team that was, you know, weighing him every day or had he been up on it as a professional athlete, he would have known that he was this much overweight, you know? <laughs> so it's just so unprofessional to wait till the, the day of the weigh-in and then just get on that scale. And it's like 12 pounds, you know, um, over the, the weight limit. Now to his credit, he did try to go back and try to lose more weight. But at that time it's like, I mean, he's not going to get down, you know, 175 in one day. It's not going to happen. So it's, it's, it's such a disappointment. I feel really, really bad for Gabriel Rosado because Rosado, he trained his butt off. You know what I'm saying? He made weight. He he, he finished his training camp. And in boxing, you don't get paid for fights that don't happen. So if you, all these, you know, you go through a training camp where you pay for sparring partners and all that and, and pay for facilities to, to, so you can be trained, that comes out of your, your pay. And when there is no pay, you're still getting charged. So quite possibly, Rosado owes his team money. So it's like, that's the, the unfortunate part about it, you know, but it's, it's very unprofessional for Ramirez. I, I, I'm not sure if Ramirez is going to move up the cruiserweight or something like that. I don't know, but I, but I thought it was very, uh, he said he was embarrassed, but still, I think it's just classless to, to not even give us a heads up or even get to try to pay Rosado money or nothing. It's just like, I'm going to come in overweight and whatever happens, happens. It's very, for a top fighter, very unprofessional. What are your thoughts? If I'm just piggybacking off some of the things that Vale mentioned, but first and foremost, I just think that, you know, it's unprofessional. You know, you, you sign a contract to come in at a certain weight, then that's, I feel like you're obligated to do just that. You know what I mean? Because it's not just you. It's like you said, it's the other fighter that you have to take into consideration. You have to take into consideration the fans who bought tickets, fans who uh, purchased the zone. Um, you know, all of those things. It's not just about you. So you have to be a little bit more selfless when it comes to what it is that you're doing. This, this is what you do. You know what I mean? This is your livelihood. This is what you set out to do in life. So all of that, I understand. And it, it disappoints me about Zerto, who has such a promising career. 
you know, before going into the B-ball fight, you know, you saw the offensive talent that he had, um, the confidence and, and things of that nature, although he wasn't fighting the best fighters in the world, that you still saw the potential, you know. And even the loss to, to Bivol, that doesn't necessarily mean he can't come back and win a belt if he decides that he's not going to be able to make 175, which I don't know why he wouldn't be able to if he dedicates himself. But if he just wanted to, the cushion of being able to go to cruiserweight, that fight against Badu Jack, I think, would be a good one for him because Badu Jack is somebody who else who campaigned at 168, 175, and that would be an ideal matchup for him, you know. Um, yeah, it's disappointing, but it also could be a blessing in disguise because we thought that it was going to be a massacre, him and Gabe Rosado. So hopefully, it's, I, I don't think Gabe is going to let it go. You know what I mean? So hopefully they can find him somebody that's more his size and not such a fight where he is at such a disadvantage against somebody who's already just naturally 20-something pounds heavier or more. So, you know, um, we'll see how things go. It just, like I said, it's just unprofessional. Uh, for a top level fighter to not come in and make weight and be in 12. I've never seen that. I don't think I've seen somebody be that much over on, you know, when it's time to weigh in, you know, maybe two pounds, maybe five pounds the most, you know what I mean? But even when it's like five pounds, it's like, he's probably not going to be able to make the weight, but he can get down to being to a point where they can find them. And then they still can have the event or have the main event. But in this case, he was just way too far over. Shame on you, uh, Zerto. I think that the fact that he was so much overweight makes me think it was something that just has something to do with his body. You know, and, and he said in his, I guess, IG post, he said, I never gave up trying to make weight. You know, I tried to cut to the final moment, but just couldn't lose enough to make the contract the weight. And so, you know, for me, like, I, I hear y'all, and, and I, I definitely, I would say that I definitely feel bad the most for Rosado out of this. I will also say that it may have been a blessing in disguise for him, you know, because I think he would have taken a lot of punishment. But I do feel bad that he wasn't paid and that he, like you said, Bill, he probably maybe owes people money, you know, for going through camp and all that. But I'm going to give Zerto the same energy I gave Shakur. I'm going to take him at his word. You know, I remember talking to a friend of mine who is relatively close to Shakur. And, you know, he was saying he he was running on the treadmill for an hour trying to cut weight before that Casasio fight. And he wasn't even building a sweat. And so it was like, as a fighter, what do you do in those scenarios? This guy, he's had 45 professional fights, never missed weight. And weight cuts are hard, you know. I mean, so many boxers do it. And because so many boxers do it successfully, we assume that it's going to be done every time, regardless of how it affects the boxer, which I understand. But the fact that it was so far over and he's done this successfully 45 times before this leads me to believe there's something, there was something beyond his control going on. And it's like, um, and when you're in his spot, unfortunately, you can't say things like, yeah, I ran on a treadmill for an hour trying to cut weight and wasn't sweating. Because the public is going to, at best, they're going to not understand it because they haven't done it before or for whatever reason. But at worst, they're going to say, oh, you're making excuses. So I, I feel bad for the parties involved. I'm personally not tripping off of it, to be honest with you. I, I wish Rosado the best, whatever his next step is. I wish Zerto the best. If Zerto has to fight that cruiser, then he got to fight that cruiser. That's all I got. Y'all got anything else on it? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's a way, it's the right way to do the wrong thing. And in this situation, you 12 pounds up above the weight. What at some point you couldn't have pulled out the fight? Then that could have gave your opponent a possibility of fighting somebody else. You know, something like that. Like if, if you just get to a point where you can't do it, like I said, it's the right way to do that. I've never seen, like I say, 12 pounds is a lot. I was thinking more so that maybe it, it may, maybe he, he can't make the weight. Okay. Or is it the fact that you got such a you you so the fighter is so overmatched, like you find somebody you can't even get up for? It's like, man, this gay Rosado, like I can beat him, you know, if I'm just not even training. And sometimes they, you know, the matchmaking and stuff like that didn't put them in a good situation to even have somebody that even poses just somewhat of a threat that I got to, you know, at least get in shape in order to be able to defeat him. I think that he could have came in if he wasn't training. I, I, I like his chance against Gabe Rosado. But I, I don't, you know, like I say, it's just, to me, you have to think it out a little bit more. And like I said, the professionalism side of it would indicate to me that at some point, you just, you, you can't do it. And at that point that you know that, then you let other parties know Golden Boy, whoever it is that you would, I don't know if he's with Golden Boy anymore, the zone, I don't know. Let him know, man. I can't, I, my body's not responding well uh, to trying to get down to 175, even though a couple of years back I was at 168. No chump. But anyway, that's all I like. <laughs> <Call me laughs> but I mean, I mean, I, I share your sentiments, Will. I, I do think that there is a right way to do the wrong thing. And it's like, he, what gets me even above the the twelve pounds thing? What gets me is he waited till the way into to, for this to even come out, man. So that he probably had to be maybe twenty pounds over a week going to this fight, and, and unless he was just doing this uh, a lot, like you know, what I'm saying losing twenty pounds in a week and doing that stuff, which is always hey. going to backfire, you know, what I'm saying unless he was doing that, <laughs> doing that. I mean. He had he could have said that a week ago. Say, hey, look, man, I'm having problems making weight. I'm not I'm normally I'm within uh, this certain range. And I'm not this time. You know, saying what can you do, organization or promotion, whatever. They would have talked it out. Maybe they would have still canceled the fight. But at least it wouldn't be like the day of. Maybe they, they can probably find somebody in a week to fight Gabe Rosado and put that as a you know what I'm saying move it down the car a little bit. You know, but I feel the worst for for Gabe Rosado though, even though that it is a blessing in disguise because he don't get his head beat in, but they could have found somebody that probably wouldn't have beat his head in. He would have got paid. You know what I'm saying? Cause nobody likes to work at no and don't get paid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just don't know enough. It sucks for sure. Um, and I understand the criticism. I'm personally tripping off of, but I, I get it. You guys have anything else? Nah, nah, nah. you know, it's just unfortunate, man. You know, I was, I'm a, um, you know, like I, I, I like train wrecks. You understand what I'm saying? I don't like the what happens to the people in the train wreck, but I'm just saying, like, you know, in this situation, I wouldn't mind seeing the two dudes in the ring. You know what I mean? I have my calendar set, you know, to watch this, this, this massacre. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, shout out to, uh, you know, the fighters that fought in the main event. And speaking of that, so what ended up happening as a result of that? Uh, we had Jojo Diaz. He came back to fight Mercito Hesta. 
Um, and that ended up being a main event. What did you guys think of that fight? Well, in this fight, I thought, um, you know, going into it, that you're not favored JoJo slightly, you know, going into the fight. I know that JoJo typically has difficulty against bigger guys. And also he has trouble when he doesn't, he looked to me like Zerto, like he was a little too heavy. He coming in at 139, the heaviest weight of his career. I didn't know that that he, I didn't know that he was coming in that heavy. So when he came in at 139, I'm like, Jojo, when I saw him fight Rockamall, he didn't make weight in that fight. He looked a little pudgy. And so him and Rockamall fought to a 12 round draw. And it could have went either way, like this scoring suggested, but he just looked a little off to me. And Rockamall took advantage when he fought against Zapata. He didn't necessarily look heavy to me, but he just was fighting against a bigger, stronger guy who was fighting a fight that he probably would want you to fight, and he couldn't do anything with him. Now, going into this fight, like I said, when I saw him looking pudgy, like his legs and like around his midsection, he looked a little, just look a little, you know, it's like you need to stay with, push the table away a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like Andy Ruiz the third. Yeah, leave the Hagen Dash alone. You understand what I'm saying? Like, just come on, dog. So when I saw that, I was like, this fight might be a little bit more competitive, or I, I would lean towards Hester if Hester is the Hester that I saw against Lenaris. He was closer to that Hester because he's like you said last week, Bill, that he had been on a long layoff. Um, and he had his last fight against uh, I want to say Molina. And he was successful in that fight. He 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 won. He didn't look like the Lenares that um Hester that I saw. But today he, I mean, yesterday he was a little bit more closer to Lenares, like I said. So in the fight, I just thought that for the most part, I, I just had Hester win it. It's not much that I can say about this fight because I I really I've been um and some of this you might want to edit out a little bit, Danny, because I'm 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 going on fumes right now. But what I recall of the fight, I just thought that. Hester was 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 just slightly. I wouldn't want to say more active. I just thought that in each round that Hester just did a little bit more than JoJo did, and you know the scores they had one score ninety eight ninety two for Diaz I believe, but the other scores I thought were more accurate and um, more indicative of what was going on in the fight. As far as details, I'm going to let you guys um, touch on those things. But all in all, just watching the fight, you know, not scoring it or anything like that. I just thought that Hester was the better man yesterday. And Diaz, if he's going to continue to fight, then he's going to have to get himself into some really good shape in order to be competitive. Because, again, he's just an everyday average fighter to me when he comes in like pudgy the way he's coming in. He has to take this thing very serious. He has to look himself in the mirror to determine what, he, what it is that he wants to do uh, with his career. I think a, a campaign that I don't know if he can get back down to 130 because 135 is too many killers for him. And he doesn't have the power. Like he's he can be competitive. He's in really good shape. He can be competitive. But at the same time, I just don't think that he would be like uh, do enough to get over the top against the top level guys, but Hester, you know, a good performance by him yesterday. Yeah, man. Boxing is like a perfect storm because sometimes your body doesn't fit into 
your weight class. And sometimes that weight class, when you move up or down, like you said, you can run into a weight class with some killers, but you also can't make the weight class that you're you're best suited for. You know, and in JoJo's case, you know, he started out pro at 122, had a nice amateur career. He's now fighting at 140. Um, he had a, a very solid pro record. Uh, only lost prior to 2021 being against Gary Russell Jr. And then now he's on a three-fight losing streak. First the Haney, then the Zepeda one you talked about, and now and now Hesta. Um, in terms of the fight itself, it really came down to me to what style you preferred. You know, whether you wanted the aggression and the volume or whether you wanted the sharp, crisp punching. And I, I thought that I do agree that Diaz looks more regular at the top weight classes that he's been in recently. Uh, but I also thought he showed flashes of his class um, in certain spots. But the move up in weight has definitely affected his punch output and, and his gas tank probably. You know, um, I, I like that he looked good behind the high guard. He employed the high guard, but then he'd only throw like a punch or so after that. Like he wasn't throwing a whole lot of combos for what I could see. And clearly it wasn't enough to the judges, you know. Um, and I thought the scorecards were wider than what I agreed with, but I wasn't mad at the decision itself. I thought Hester came out and, and like you said, he was the best version of himself. And I think that one could make an argument for a draw or maybe even a Diaz edging it, but I'm not mad at this decision at all in terms of where Diaz goes from here. It's hard to say because it's possible that because he's been fighting so long that his body is just like, look, this is all I got. 140 is it. And, and unfortunately, there's some killers at 140. You know, like I had him at top 10 at 135, but he's not a top 10, 140 pounder. And so if he's unable to drop back down to a lower weight class, I, I wouldn't bank on 130 at all. Um, I hope that he, he you know, finds a place in boxing. If he still wants to box right now, he's still relatively young, but his body doesn't seem to be favoring his ambitions. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with, with what both of you guys said, but um, looking at this fight, I thought Hester would be would be not as sharp because of the layoff. And I, I was kind of wrong. I mean, it, when, when Hester came out in his fight, he came out on his toes, really sticking and moving, uh, uh, sticking that jab to Diaz. And he was always getting off first, making Diaz like, man, even Diaz was surprised the first few rounds. So Diaz was trying to pressure him. But he, again, he, he's a southpaw fighting another southpaw. And then Hester is just sticking that jab on him and then moving around, moving backwards and stuff like that and forcing uh, Diaz to have to, you know, track him down. Now, I think midway into the fight, around the fourth, the fourth round, uh, Diaz was able to have some success really uh, cornering Hesta and going to the body, which really did slow Hesta down because once Hesta was sitting in a spot or sitting in a spot too long, uh, Diaz would would unload on him and load those shots, but Diaz doesn't really have a lot of power. You know, he doesn't have even, even when he was at the lower weight classes, he didn't really have pop like that. So uh, even though he was able to, to catch Hester with some shots that, that scored points and, you know, they, they were, they weren't like slapping shots. They were hard shots, but still he doesn't really have that fight changing power. So Hester was able to 
you know, survive the, the onslaught mid-round and, and continue to move uh, for the rest of the fight. So I, I didn't really have Hester winning a wide decision, but I thought it was a comfortable one. And I, I didn't see a, a case for Diaz winning. I mean, Diaz, I mean, he fought a, a decent fight, but still he was slowed down. He doesn't look as good at that weight. Uh, because he's the type of fighter that he is, the hard hat type of fighter, he's always going to, you know, provide some output. But again, it wasn't, it really wasn't his best. Um, and then when you look in the future, he, he doesn't really, you know, it's hard to find a fit for him because he's too short, you know what I'm saying, to really be at 140. And he doesn't have that pop that really translate up. Uh, and he's not, in my opinion, you know, skilled enough to, to really be able to transcend his lack of, of size. So, like I said, he has a, you know, at 135, it's some killers over there, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and Diaz is up to the point where you, if he can still make 135, he's most likely going to serve out the rest of his career as opponents for those guys, you know, for the, for the echelon, you know, at those uh, weights. I can see, I can see, uh, because I know he's a free agent now. I think it is, this is his last fight with Golden Boy. So, you know, so I can see, you know, uh, Tank's people, you know, rubbing their hands if, if Tank get past Ryan Garcia. I see if if, the, if um, Diaz wants to fight at 140, I see uh, Adrian Broner probably rubbing his hands like, yeah, I, I, I got me an opponent. So it's a lot of stuff that can, hey, I can see. Hey, he, he probably rubbing his hands trying to get an AB. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of things, you know, happening. So it'll be interesting for, for uh, JoJo Diaz moving forward. But that's all I have to say about that one. Y'all got anything else? Your boy, your boy, get past Pueyo. That might be his first defense. Rolling. Hey, <laughs> hey and, and Don King hiring, apparently. So. That's, that's true. Now, can I go on an old man rant real quick? Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this, this, this sport is getting harder and harder to support, man. Looking at this man, he's fat. Like he's a fat <laughs> little dude out there throwing punches. Now, if he really wants, JoJo has had some out of the ring issues i just for me I'm, I'm i'm not harping on that piece of it because issues that you have outside of the ring please take care of those things but if you are to the point where you are back to where you want to fight then it behooves you it's in your best interest to get in the best possible shape i'm tired of seeing these dudes like this man i'm zerto coming in 12 pounds the dude's missing weight like that shouldn't even be a issue when it comes to the sport of boxing, that wasn't how it was before. And that's the reason why some people can stick around longer and fight more. That's the reason why Mayweather could stick around so long because of his discipline. That's the reason why in basketball, you can have a LeBron James stick around so long because dudes like the discipline and they understand the fundamentals, just the little basics that you don't know and that I can continue to do this. In my profession, I see a lot of people who just lack certain little fundamentals they they they, now they talented but it's just certain things that they don't know that's gonna always get them in trouble where the stuff that i do i can last i can do this till i'm 70 you know what i'm saying and just do this easily like and then i'm walking out the building you know fresh and whatever where you like haggled and frustrated and i need to do something else and and that's how these dudes are in boxing man like, if you're going to come in here, you it's nowhere in the world that Hester should have been able to mess with you, JoJo. You know, but it's just a certain level of discipline that you have to have. 
I get so frustrated. I'm even frustrated with my favorite fighter, Errol Spence. Dude, what are you doing, dog? I ain't heard anything. Like, come on, man. You can't keep, like, not fighting for a long time. And then I'm the big fish. And I can come back. One of those times that you come back, big fish, they're going to go ahead and reel you. They're going to hit you with that hook. You're going to get caught. Come on, man. We got to have, like, this sport got to be back the way it was. And then also what's going to happen or what, what always happens is the dudes that you gravitate to and you like, and it's like, oh, man, he got that fighting spirit. As soon as he get a little wind and he want to be like Big Willie and he start acting real silly, you like, man, what the, what is, what was he? They do the Keith Thurman thing. Don't duck me, son. And next thing you know, they ducking everybody. So, man, they, these dudes got to get back on it, man. You know, I ain't going to, I'm not going to be. And then also on YouTube, I see the split. So I'm, I'm the type of person I told you, like, from the time I've been watching boxing, you just have to show me. Like, if you that dude and you taking out tough level opposition, you handling your business, you get to a certain point, then, yeah, you have the opportunity to pick and choose the most lucrative fights because you put that work in. I've never had a problem with anybody doing that. I just have a problem with people who skip the process of putting themselves in a position to be the man because you haven't put the work in because once you become the man and then you finally face somebody, then you're going to end up with pie in your face because you don't have the prerequisite skills to be able to deal with every skill or every type of um, style that you possibly can face and you don't have the intestinal fortitude to overcome adversity because you never put yourself in that situation that's all man but this sport man is is i don't know i don't know why how it's gotten to this point but it's getting way too soft for me man and that's my old man rant of the day you want to add to that bill no i i agree with everything you said man it's just what's interesting to me is that this this how far we've dropped like guys like uh, James Tony used to always get caught undisciplined, but James Tony then used to really come in like 12 pounds over a contracted weight. You know what I'm saying? Most of the time he made weight. And when he did it, and the times he, that people thought he was being undisciplined were times where he moved up in weight and seemed like I'm moving up in weight because I can't make this weight, even though he looked like he could, but still, if he couldn't make a weight, he fought at the higher weight. So these guys up here going, fighting somebody who's smaller than them, at a contracted weight, but not even coming in on, on weight, you know what I'm saying? That's just, disre- it's not even unprofessional. That's kind of disrespectful because it's like now you put somebody's, you know, health in danger, especially when it's somebody who, you know what I'm saying, the, that, that, that's, like, for example, I'm looking at Gabe Rosado. He's the type of personality that he doesn't really care. He's like, I'll get in the ring with, with anybody. So I feel like uh Ramirez back to Ramirez was kind of taking advantage of but you know what I'm saying that's the way to that boxing go these days that's all I gotta say about it yeah yeah, yeah. can I say uh, the last thing I don't want to make things too long and, and I promise that I'll I'll add the time back in when it comes to the topics that we're going to d- discuss uh in, um in the future on this podcast I'll keep it short but I just want to mention I'll mention one more thing and that is this that you got on YouTube you got two different sides you got one side that's the pro-black side. You got the other side that's the anti-black side. But it's nothing where it's just objective. So you, the black side is going to talk about Canelo. He's you know picking these garbage guys that he's facing. It's not going to make sense because that's just, it's like the Democrats and the Republicans where they're not really like 
talking in depth and nuanced about topics. It's just we want our side to win because we want to have more Democrats seats in the House of Representatives and the Republicans and blah, 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 this and that. They're not trying to solve anything. They're not trying to have concrete, factual information. It's just a lot of propaganda. So they on that end. The other side is the black fighters. Like, why are you not doing this? And and um, Tank Davidson, is, is they talking bad about Tank and, and all of that type of stuff. I'm not, I'm more so with the black side. I'll, I'll say that because I support my black fighters. But at the end of the day, it's always... I'm going to give respect to anybody that's putting that work in. I don't, that don't have anything to do with any color because what's going to happen is what you're going to do is you're going to go against your own self-interest. So if I'm sitting up here just supporting black guys because they black, then that's going to mess up my viewing of what it is I want to see. Me seeing the best fight the best. So if I'm just all out supporting this dude and he's um, picking and choosing guys and he never faced anybody ever in his career, I'm supposed to be like excited to watch this no i don't when i listen to rap music and and and, and dudes who got bars and, and they, they saying stuff that's um witty and and, and thought-provoking yeah they put some work in like i can hear that and i'm like man that was well put together i'm not just gonna support somebody because i like like they cool or whatever and you know but I'm not getting anything out. I listen to it as garbage. No, I'm not going to do that. And so that's the way I look at, at sports. And that's the way I look at boxing. And again, I think that we all need to get back to that on that real type stuff. What I wish I, what, what I deem is real. You know what I mean? Well, you know, some other people may think is, is fraudulent. I don't know, but that's where I stand. Man. Thanks for allowing me to get that right now. Much better. Back to you, Danny. <laughs> so speaking of old men, we had a uh, John Pascal. He came back. He fought Michael Eifert. Uh, Vel, I understand you saw that. Well, I, I understand that you saw enough of it to have some words on it. What did you think of, of Pas where Pascal is and, and the upset? I think Pascal just needs to, you know, take a look in the mirror and assess his career and be honest with himself. He He's at that point where it's like, you know what I'm saying? He's always, you know, been a tough fighter, but he always had, you know, flaws that's only going to get worse as you age. He was very athletic, you know, very awkward where he can catch you with shots with, that, that you don't see, which even today is still kind of dangerous. But he always, you know, he's, he's a muscle dude. So he'll always, you know, get tired, you know, early in fights. I remember in the second uh, Bernard Hawkins fight where Hawkins was doing, you know, push-ups between rounds, you know, say in the corner while Pascal was you know, breathing hard, breathing heavily in the corner. So, and, and, and Hopkins at that time was pushing close to 50. Eh? So um, it, it's not going to get easier, especially considering he had, had you know, brutal fights with uh, with Kovalev. And, and this was like more than five years ago. So um, considering that he, at this point, you can't beat the likes of Michael Eifert. I mean, it's time to really look at your career. I mean, do you want to fight lower level guys at a certain level just so you can make some money? And, and to be honest, I don't think Pascal is the type of fighter that would want that. And that's the thing that kind of scared me, you know, because Pascal is the type of guy, if Bitter B call people call tomorrow, he'll be like, yeah, I want to fight him. You know what I'm saying? He'll get in that ring. So um, that's the sad part about it because I, I always enjoy watching John Pascal from the start of his career, but it's time to really look at your career. He's 40 now. And it's like, it's not going to get easier. Um, 
So somebody needs to sit him down and have that talk with him. <laughs> Y'all got anything to, uh, to add to that? No, I'm, I'm gonna put my time back. I think I talked a lot. You know. <laughs> All right, man. So, so also, uh, so also last night we had a fight between the uh, the returning heavyweight, uh, the other big baby, Jarrell Miller. He took on 43 year old Lucas Brown. Hey, Will, I understand you saw that fight. <laughs> what were your thoughts on uh, the big baby? Yeah, the original big baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the original, you know what I'm saying? So Big Baby uh, in this fight, I thought Big Baby is probably the best shape I've seen him in since, you know, the allegations or him being caught with the PEDs in his system. Um, he ended up, I mean, it, it, it was like a typical Big Baby, you know, he was in there, um, against somebody who's not hard to hit in Lucas Brown. And, you know, he took advantage of it. He was doing his little slick moves and stuff like that. I just think that you, you can tell something's missing with Big Baby. It could be the PEDs. I don't know. Um, but he's just missing that slight little bounce that he had before. He never really was that big of a puncher because even when he was taking Brown out yesterday, it took like a lot of shots and he never really put him down. It's just his corner ended up stopping the fighter for good reason because he was nailing him with a lot of heavy shots. And it's only so much that you can take from a guy who's 300 plus pounds. And, uh, you know, good that they they um, stopped the fight. Like, again, if this is the big baby that we saw pre him supposed um him in the fight that he was supposed to have against AJ, I think he would have got Brown out sooner. I think most top heavyweights would get Brown out of there. Brown is just has that puncher's chance. He has a big right hand. And, um, you know, towards the end when he was throwing those shots, he kind of looks like he started to um, get a little bit fatigued. Um, I don't know, but he was throwing so many shots. But anyway, with that being said, he got the win yesterday. Manuel Charis calling him out. So that's another fight for him. A little bit of a step up over Brown, I would say, slightly, you know, might be about the same. Um, so we'll see where he goes. He's calling out the other big baby, the new big baby. And, you know, that could be a fight that's made. I think that that would be a good test for the younger big baby, you know, to get somebody with the experience of Gerald um, on his resume. You know, that would be uh, interesting to see. Uh, I would like the younger big baby's chances in that fight, but you know, he's, he's a wily veteran and um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes moving forward. You guys have any thoughts on Gerald big baby Miller's uh, performance yesterday against Lucas Brown or where he goes from here, or um, would you like to see him fight against uh, the other big baby for the name? Yes. Big baby versus big baby. That's, that's, it's, it's not really outside of that. It's not a fight. That I'm like, wow, let's see it. But marketing wise, <laughs> I mean, genius, big baby versus big baby. The winner gets to keep the name man. let's <laughs> make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a lot of that, that, that lead up to the fight would be great. Cause both guys, you know, they talk a good game and then they both showmen, you know, you see how the younger big baby enters the ring. You know, he always has some type of shtick, you know, that he's coming into the ring with some type of gimmick. Um, and then the post fight would be interesting as well, you know, 
But like I said, the, the younger fella, I would I would like his chances because. But early on, you know how he always be getting tagged a little bit, and that's a big man to be getting tagged by. But you know his punch output is just a little bit too much. Yeah, they were saying that you know they might give him his his own uh, headliner in Toledo, I believe, in around the July time frame. I think he fights on Shakur's undercard on April eighth, but it, it could happen. I, I agree with you. It's just like. I would hate for it to look Greg Hardy versus Rockman Jr.-ish, you know, whereas like Rockman's trying to do stuff, but, but, you know, he was just too big and that's a big dude. Like it's probably a hundred pound weight difference just looking at him. And I mm -hmm. think he weighed in at 333. I think uh, Anderson comes in at like two, somewhere between 220, 230. So um, that's the only thing I'd be worried about, but you know, I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah, you think it might be a little too soon for a young fella? I don't think it's too soon because they're already starting to put him against like those those common opposition opponents, right? Like that the other heavyweights who were more like highly touted has already fought and beat. Like they're already starting to do that with him. And I say this not knowing exactly who he's fighting in, in on April 8th, but I don't think it's too soon. Um, that's just a big boy, man. That's a big boy, but I don't think it's too soon. Next week, we got a, a, a huge fight, man. I'm really looking forward to this one. This is out of the fights that have been scheduled for the spring and summer. To me, this is the one that I'm looking forward to most as far as like skill for skill, the bad blood, you know, being a grudge match. And that is the David Benavidez against um sweet hands caleb plant uh what do you guys think is gonna happen in this fight what's the likely outcome yeah you're right man it's bad blood they should have titled this promotion bad blood <laughs> hey, you know who should sing the uh, national anthem who you know my god now we got bad blood oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they should man uh so david benavidez he coming in this fight 26 and, and 0 with 23 knockouts. He's a big guy, six, six foot two, 74 inch uh, reach. Uh, he has knockout wins over David Lemieux, Kyron Davis, Anthony Durrell, and uh, Jaylion Love. Uh, now he's taking on Caleb Plant, 22 and 1 with 13 knockouts, six foot one with 74 inch wingspan. He also has a win over Anthony Durrell, that knockout uh, of the year, I think, yet last year, or candidate. Uh, but he also has a loss uh, against Canelo. And he has wins over Caleb Truax and Jose uh, Uzgataki. So David Benavidez, big, strong, powerful guy, very offensively gifted. Sometimes he, you know, outside the ring, sometimes he lacks discipline sometimes. But he stops respectable competition. Like, he really, really very heavy-handed. He doesn't really, to me, doesn't have, like, that one-shot hit a quitter. But his hands heavy enough, and he always, you know, able to hit his targets, which is very, very dangerous. Uh, he, he throws lots of punches, and his cardio is always up to par when he's in the ring. I mean, he's always dangerous from beginning to end. So Caleb Plant, you know, uh, boxer, mover, sticking. He's a sticking mover, uh, good jab. Uh, he's always, you know, believing himself, has very, very confident confidence in himself and his skills. He's been there in there with, uh, even though he did lose to, to Canelo, the fact that he was in there with someone of that magnitude uh, that can only 
could probably make him better, uh, especially if he learns from his mistakes. Um, so the only thing that bothers me about Caleb Plant did actually happen in that Canelo fight where he got a little too starstruck and started talking to Canelo while he's in the ring. I'm like, dude, I don't care if you you in the ring, whoever you in the ring with, I don't care if they the top guy, man. You're supposed to have Killer be killed the whole way through. So, you know, Plant's in there asking, am I good and all that? And then Canelo, you know, not. And then that was like the round before Canelo, you know, pretty much stopped him. Man, he was tired, man. He, that was his defense mechanism. He tried yeah, but he always said that, man. Well, hey. So, but Caleb Plant, you know, he had a resurgence with uh with his new trainer, Brad, man. You know, he had him, got him in good enough shape to put that 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 left hook on Anthony Durrell, which pretty much stopped him in his tracks and put him out for the knockout of the year. So this is going to be an interesting fight. They don't like each other. You know, it has bad blood. And a lot of the psychology of this fight could play out. It's going to play out in the ring. I think Caleb Plant is going to, you know, have some success early. He's going to try to get the respect of David Benavidez very, very early. And I think that's going to determine uh, what Benavidez does. Because we never really, we've seen Benavidez, you know, he, he to, up to this point, he's shown a strong chin, but we've never seen anyone, you know, crack him enough where it's like Benavidez has to think about before he comes in. Um, and I think Plant, may have the, the the ability to do that, but it's, it comes down to a question of will he and how he's, how he would do it. So I do think that Caleb Plant will have some success. Uh, it's just that Benavidez, that cardio is going to wear Plant down. I think the mental danger of Benavidez, because he's going to be coming from round one to, to round 12, if it even lasts that long. So and Benavidez will put some hands on you, no matter who you are. So one of the questions I ask when somebody's in the ring with Benavidez is, you know, have they been stopped before? Have I seen them hurt before? And even outside the Canelo fight, I've seen fights where Plant can see he can he take shots and look uncomfortable. Not like he's just really, really hurt, but just where he's, he's buzzed for a split second and he recovers. So I don't, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to play out against Benavidez, but um, I think Benavidez is going to catch up to Caleb Plant mid-round. He's going to end up stopping Plant by the ninth round. So I have David Benavidez winning this by TKO in the ninth round. So what y'all see happening in this one? Yes, sir. Um, this is going to be a good one, man. Shout out to Caleb for taking on his second grudge match in a row. You know, a lot of bad blood between him and the dog, the rail, And he was able to uh, overcome, you know. Um, you know, I, I think it, it was a few rocky moments in the Darrell fight because Darrell was fighting his heart out. He just end up succumbing to that vicious left hook. Now, if you look throughout that fight, that's something that Caleb was was throwing um, with mean intentions throughout. And what's going to be a telltale sign for me is early on is if he's able to slow down Benavidez's pace, because sometimes you will see a guy who throws a lot of punches sometimes, but when they face certain styles, they are a little bit more reluctant on throwing the shots that they typically throw just based on what's coming back at them because they know that the other guy is trying to either set them up or they felt something that has them a little bit more apprehensive. I've never seen Benavidez in a fight where he took that approach, but I was seeing Caleb Plant do that to Darrell. Now, Darrell isn't the offensive juggernaut that David Benavidez is, but 
he was able to get him to fight at a slower pace than he wanted to a lot of the fight. But then it got to a point where Darrell started applying pressure and he was able to, you know, get some of his stuff off and be effective before he got caught. Now, it's going to be a, a point. Now, that it could be like early on where Benavidez is not, you know, throwing those shots that we typically are accustomed to him throwing. But it's going to be a point where he is because he's, he's I would say about the second, third round, you're going to start seeing him with that rock'em, sucking robot, um, those punches that, that he, he, he likes to throw. And I think he might be a little bit underrated defensively, um, but he does get hit. I like the work that Breadman is doing with Plant because Plant said prior to him getting with Stephen Breadman, he wasn't doing much sparring. And I think the sparring has got him sharp and he's added that left hook, that main left hook in those exchanges. And so that's the thing. Like that's what's always going to be there. And that's always where the danger is going to be for Benavidez because he is susceptible. You know what I mean? Like you see him, he's just like, who's going to be willing to punch with him? And so if, is he going to connect? He's pretty accurate with the left hook. And then also what type of damage will it do if he does land it, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's able to drop Benavidez um, somewhere between the first five rounds. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think when it's all said and done, when I look at both guys, Caleb obviously is the better boxer. He's a very good boxer. He's pretty cool under pressure against the fighters that he's faced. But this is the best pressure fighter that he's ever faced. And then Benavidez. He is, like I say, he's action-packed. He has a high work rate, and he has those heavy hands. What I think is going to happen is this. I just think that Plant, before he got with Brad, man, he used to always show me around the sixth, seventh round, you can see a noticeable decline in his output. That wasn't the case against Darrell. He looked better, you know, in that regard. I think that that work that he's doing with Brad, man, I think Brad, man, was some type of, like track and field type person, I believe. I could be wrong, um, but I thought I heard somebody say that or, or heard somebody ask him about his experience with that. And that could be helpful, you know, um, in preparing Caleb Plant, you know, against the, in a Darrell fight and this fight, you know, the work that they're doing together. Because like I said, I saw a, a noticeable difference where he didn't look as fatigued. The other thing too is that Benavidez, he's almost on a year layoff by the time that they fight. Plant has had a fight in between. Plant's confidence is high. Benavidez's confidence is always high. So they're meeting at a really good time as far as um, the confidence level. But when it's all said and done, although Plant looked pretty good and really good, especially landing that devastating shot against Anthony the Dog Durrell, I just think that the dog doesn't apply as much pressure as Benavidez does. So I think that at some point, probably about the seventh, eighth round, you will see Plant start to wilt just a little bit because he's going to be under such pressure. He's going to be getting hit with some big shots and it's just going to start taking his toll on him. I like what you said, Bill. I marked down the ninth round TKO victory for uh, Caleb Plant. Um, I think this is going to be an outstanding fight very much of a bad blood type fight, you know, between both guys. Hopefully when it's all said and done, they can come together, you know, embrace, you know, and understand that at the end of the day, 
it's all about the sport of boxing. You know what I mean? And, you know, you have bad blood entered into the ring, but you had your opportunity to get it off your chest inside the ring. And, and then you can go ahead and move on from there. But I like the fight. Um, what do you say, Danny? What, what do you think the likely outcome is going to be in this? You guys have really good points. I think that, you know, to one of your points, Will, Plant had that fight just back in October, middle of October. So this is going to be his second camp with Brett, man. And I saw on his social media that he never really stopped training after that. The camp is one thing, of course, but he didn't let himself go by any means. And so the gas tank that we saw in the Darrell fight, I have good reason to believe is going to be that level or better going to this Benavidez fight. It's intriguing because, you know, I think Benavidez is going to be Benavidez, but Plan is the one who has improved. The question is going to be, has he improved to the level of fighter that can beat Benavidez? And I, I think that he's going to have to maintain that gas tank throughout the fight. And also his power is going to dictate how this fight goes. You know, if he can get Benavidez to respect his power, it's going to be a real interesting fight. He, I, I could see him winning by like a split decision if he, if he can get Benavidez to respect his power. But, and he also has the ability to outbox Benavidez. But if Benavidez doesn't respect his power at all, you know, I could very well see him walking him down and bullying him. And so that's where the intrigue is for me. You know, how much will the power have an effect? Also, you know, Benavidez is kind of like, and I don't say this in a bad way because it can be used as your power or your weakness, but Benavidez throughout the, the press, at least, of this fight has been an emotional guy. He's been the one more likely to lose his cool. And so it's like, well, and he's the younger guy too. And so it's like, and give credit to him. He's matured since then. Like some of the things that we've like held against him in his younger years at 26, he's shown to be a more mature fighter. But I also wonder to what extent will he allow his motions to be his power or his weakness in this fight? And so there's a lot of like questions going into it, but I'm super excited about it. Again, I think Plant could win by split decision, but I think that the most likely outcome is that Benavidez will get that late stoppage. And I love when I get the last prediction because I get to play the price of right game. Like, do I want to go, if y'all did 99, do I want to do 98? Do I want to do 100? Um, I think for this one, with the bad blood, I'm going to go uh, Benavidez by eighth round stoppage. Uh, you guys have anything else? No, nah, may the best man win, you know? Definitely, definitely. So on that next weekend, next weekend is going to be one of, those, one of those weekends, man, where we're like, it's going to be like a lot of boxing involved. It's going to feel like a like a workshop almost watching all this boxing. But on ESPN, we have Jose Ramirez. He's coming back to fight Richard Comey. Uh, how do you guys see it playing out? Well, you got uh, Jose Ramirez. They call him a Jaguar. Um, he has a 72-inch reach. He's 5'10", 30 years old, out of California, 27-1 with 17 KOs. Pretty good resume uh, that he has. He's going to be fighting against R.C., Richard Colme, 5'8", uh, 71-inch reach, has a record of 34, 27 KOs with one draw, and he's 36 years old. Um, Colme, you know, since that loss that he had against Tiafimo Lopez, to me, I think he's been kind of like on a rampage to try to get his belts back, and he's taken on some pretty, you know, tough fighters. 
he's coming off of a a draw against Pedraza in a good fight uh, that he had. He also beat is it Martinez, uh, the guy that gave Roley all type of trouble. That was a good win for him as well. He's a big, strong guy, you know, even at 140. Um, very chiseled, muscled, heavy-handed, big right hand. Um, but, you know, when you get hit by Colmey, you know, I'm sure that those guys feel it, you know, because he he does, you know, pack a pretty good punch. Ramirez, on the other hand, he's just a rugged, aggressive, you know, sometimes with reckless abandon, you know, big, like I say, big, strong, and he has really good stamina. I think both guys have, have pretty good stamina. It's an interesting fight. I think that Ramirez is just a little bit better, a little bit um, more comfortable because he's fought throughout his career at 140. Although I don't think that it's going to be a big disparity as far as like physicality, like who 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 benefits. Um, I just think that Ramirez is a little bit better. Now, the, the issue here is going to be Ramirez's inactivity. You know, since his Josh Taylor loss, I think he only had maybe one fight or so, maybe two. But he's it's like a year off here, a year off there. And he's going to be by the time that they fight, he's going to be off for a year. And so those type of things that I'm weary of when you have a guy, because I don't think that he's the most skilled guy. He relies just on his, like I say, that physicality, being big and strong at 140, overwhelming his opponents. Um, he might be able to get away with it in this one because he's fighting against a guy who is it. Like as far I'm just when I say skill, like they're world class fighters, but it's just like the skill level that they have, like being able like slip punches, setting you up for shots, being really precise and accurate. These are not those type of guys. But I just think when it's all said and done, that I would have to if I'm making a prediction in this fight just based on what both guys bring to the table, I just have to say that uh, I would have to go with Jose Ramirez, and I think that this is probably going to go all twelve. Yeah, um, just to give a little background to this fight, Ramirez, he was ordered to fight Jose Zapata for the WBC belt, but it would have interfered with his marriage, so he, with his wedding, rather, and so he didn't take that fight. Uh, Progray did take the fight and beat Zapata for the belt, and then he was ordered to fight Progray for the belt when he won it, but he wouldn't accept that default, I guess, 65-35 split from the from the commissioning, from, from the sanctioning body, rather. And so now he's fighting the in-house fight with Richard Comey. Um, I think here, uh, the biggest difference here will be uh, Ramirez's age and size. Like the measurements aren't that different, but Comey really had most of his power at 135 and in his younger years. And so uh, I'm going to keep this one brief. I agree with you, Will. I think if we see the same Ramirez that we've seen in recent years, I think his, his aggression, his volume will be the difference maker. And I think he's going to win by decision. I agree with, with some points that both you guys made. I, I think this is going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be action packed. I think I just think that Ramirez, because he's been fighting at a higher level, to not a higher level per se as far as totality, but a higher level at that weight class at 140, and he's naturally been at that weight. Whether Richard Comey, you know, um, I've seen Richard Comey, you know, get buzzed in fights with. Uh, Robert Easter at 135. Of course, he was stopped by Tiafimo Lopez and Vasil Lomachenko. But that win over Jackson uh, Marinez, that, that was very, that was actually impressive to me, uh, considering his back was against the wall. You know, he had just, he was just coming off that loss of Tiafimo Lopez. 
and Richard Comey, he does love the bang. The only thing with, with, with him is he bangs too much for his, for his own good, considering his, his chin will eventually fail him, especially at 140. And I think that Ramirez, I, I, even though I've seen Ramirez hurt, I've never seen him you know, look like Richard Comey in any fight against the same level of competition uh, that Richard Comey has. So I think that Ramirez is going to wear Comey down. I think he's going to stop Comey, uh, I'll say, by around the fifth round. I think he's going to stop him midway, early to midway into the to the fight. Uh, y'all got any, any thoughts to add to that? Hey, I respect you, Bill. You, you've been daring to be great with these with these predictions this year so far. I respect it. No, I, I, well, I'm trying to go with my gut. Man. <laughs> I, I, I mix my brain in there, but then I go with my gut and what I think is going to happen. I think that Ramirez is going to stop Comey about the fifth round. <laughs> so moving along, we got, I know we got some news, man. Will, what, what's up on the news? All right, so this week in the news, uh, we're going to start off with the weather report. So tomorrow, I just want you all to know that if it doesn't rain, the sun will probably shine. And so that's our weather report. <laughs> no, no clouds. <laughs> that's the weather report. So let's go ahead and get to the news topics of the week, man. You got, uh, uh, you know, Bill, this is your pound for pound, you know, number one guy, Canelo Alvarez. They have officially made the fight for him to face one of his mandatories and John Ryder on May 6th. Cinco de Mayo weekend in Canelo's hometown of Jalisco, Guadalupe, Mexico. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, and let me clarify. Canelo Alvarez is only my pound for pound number one using the number, the numerical system that we normally use to rate our pound for pound list. <laughs> to me, it's a come down fight from, you know, his fights with Bivo and, uh, and, and Triple G. I mean, this is a, to me, it's an easy fight for him against a, a, a Euro level, you know, fighter. John Ryder, He's coming off his decent victory in, uh, in a 50-50 fight, but I just think that even 75% of Canelo is good enough to, to you know, to beat someone of a John Ryder, le- Ryder level. So I don't, I don't expect an upset here. I'm pretty sure somebody's going to look at John Ryder and say, well, what about Bivol? But Bivol was a, you know, was a highly rated champion at the time that Canelo fought him, and Canelo was moving up in, in weight to 175. Which I think always thought that Canelo was too small for that weight. It's just that when he fought Kovalev, you know, it put a lot of you know things in people's you know minds. Uh, so it's just a fight, really, to, to see Canelo Alvarez in action. To me, I mean, probably to see where he's at. You know, it's really you know the real question is how Canelo would do in this fight. It's like how well will he do? So, but I'll still tune in though. What are y'all thoughts on it? Well, before you go, Danny, he's coming off an injury too. Yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, he is coming off an injury, yes. I'm going to speak on the matchmaking itself because boxing fans are impossible to please sometimes unless you're putting your life on the line every single fight. You know, he's gotten some some flack for this, but John Ryder is a mandatory. You know, John Ryder is also ranked fourth by the ring magazine, So, and Canelo was ranked first at the, at the weight class. So what else was he supposed to do this fight? Like, that's rhetorical, unless you guys want to address it, but... You know, his other two mandatories was Benavidez, um, who, who's going to be busy next weekend, like we talked about. So that time it wouldn't have worked out. And then David Morrell, who would possibly and probably be a good fight, but he's 8-0. and And to me, Ido Shirbosanelli is not the kind of fight that lands you a Canelo fight. And so 
Um, and I'm not even going to entertain Charlo because he hasn't been active enough to even warrant the fight. Um, and so I agree with your assessment of how the fight is going to play out. Um, but I'm not mad at the actual matchmaking in the context of things. Yeah, but he, he should win, though. He should win pretty pretty handily. What about you, Will? I have no thoughts um, on this. You know, shout out to Ryder for putting himself in position, you know, to get in the fight. I think that you put Ryder in with anybody that you mentioned, nobody would complain. They'd be like, oh, man, that's a good fight. And if you look at Ryder's resume, he probably has a better resume than any of the guys you mentioned, you know, that he's defeated. You know, Jacobs, he lost the controversial um, decision loss to Smith. And then he beat Zach Parker. I mean, come on, man. What would you expect? And, you know, he put himself in position. He's the mandatory. He can always come off an injury. You also have fights where you want to, like, bring something back to your hometown. You know, this is the type of fight to go ahead and do that. If he's going to take take on either one of those other guys, Bivol, Benavidez in his next outing, you know, this is what you want to get prepped for. You know, you want to see how well you are after an injury. So it's cool to me. Like, I, I salute Canelo. I'll be tuned in. I like to see what the man has to offer. It's one of my favorite fighters. Not my pound for pound number one, but I can see why somebody would still have him number one. But those are my thoughts. Now, um, this past week as well, you had Alexander Usyk, who has three to four major belts. The other guy who has the belt, Tyson Fury, they offer Usyk a 70-30 split. And then Usyk accepted, you know, that offer. You know, you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, shout out to uh, Alexander Usyk, man. That's that's a bold move. That shows that he he really wants that fight. For two fighters at that level, making a fight of this magnitude, normally thirty percent is unacceptable. And we have guys right that we have boxers right now going back and forth on who should get you know a 52-48 split. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and Usyk is like I think he wants that fight bad enough that he's like, hey, look, and we and, and even though you know. This is like a, you know, say whatever percentage fight you have is it's, it's, no one can can confidently say that either of them will win this fight. This is a dangerous fight for both of them. Uh, but if you're going to say that someone has an advantage, it would more likely be Fury. But as far as we, when we, when we saw them approach each other, you can look in Usyk's eyes and tell that Usyk isn't, you know, bothered by Fury at all, by his antics or anything. And he really believes like, I can take this guy out. I'm more, I'm, I'm experienced enough where I can, I got this guy, you know, he's, he's not intimidated at all. And, and this kind of proves it. Like I'll take 30% cause I know when I beat you, you know what I'm saying? I'll be worth more and they're going, I'm going to get 70% in my next fight or in my rematch with you. So props to Usyk for, you know, taking it. It's kind of a loss on, on his end to, to even accept that demand, but that's, that's how much he believes he can, you know, he can beat Fury. So props to him. My favorite part of this whole thing has been uh, Usyk calling Fury out by his uh, midsection. He's like, belly. And then, you know, he accepted the the agreement, and now he, he's greedy belly. But, um, yeah, I mean, as of this recording, they're just under six weeks left until that targeted date they were looking for of uh, April 29th. Um, I'm a Fury fan. You know, um, I respect his journey. And not just his journey as a fighter, but a journey within, you know what I mean? Like overcoming, you know, the depression that he he overcame. And, you know, I imagine he still wrestled with that, but, you know, being able to handle that. But these antics are getting old, man. You know, 
um, in the summer after Usyk beat AJ, he was calling for the fight. At the time, Fury, he was still toying with retirement and saying he'll fight him for half of Billy and saying all this stuff. And then he started making slightly more realistic offers. And then Usyk calls his bluff by accepting all of them. And now uh, Greedy Belly is the one that appears to be sitting on the contract. So I don't know what's going on in the background for this. I don't know if Fury's training or not. Uh, I've seen Usyk training already. And, you know, I get that somebody has to promote these fights, but but and Fury is more of a character than Usyk. But there's a certain point where that particular well runs dry, and it's kind of there for me personally. You know, like, it's like you come out of retirement to fight Chizora a third time, and then what? So... You know, I'm I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic that he that he gets signed this week, and that he's training because this is one of the fights that I want to see the most this year. Uh, but I just don't like the antics because it's like there's no there's no point. Just like sign the contract and then let the antics commit, so you can like actually promote something that's happening. I almost said sign the contract, fat boy. That's all. That's all we need. We don't need the the other stuff because you know, in a sport of boxing, man, it, when an iron is hot, that's when you want to strike. We don't want this to carry out much longer than it has to. You got the Spence fight that's been, you know, not happening. We finally get in the plant versus Benavidez fight. You got um, AJ Wilder. I mean, the list goes on and on. We already know the, the name name of the game, you know, when it comes to that. When you got, it's no really no other guy that you want to see the other guys, the other guy's face, the other guy face. So, you know. Quit playing. You know, that's if the man is is accepting 70 30, he has three of the four belts. You know, it's all on you, Playboy. Go ahead and sign that contract. You know, uh, Fat B. You know what I mean? You remember, remember on um, I don't want to say, you know, the, the the actual name, but remember on uh what's the name of that that guy? Uh Austin Powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you talk about, yeah. FB. So yeah. <laughs> Sign the contract, man. Now, the next topic is going to be a bait. You know, anybody can get it. Anybody can promote me. And so he ends up sign, signing with Don King. You know what I mean? I had to scratch my head. I'm like, dang, man, is this 88? You know what I'm saying? What he signed for? Delta 88? But, um, you know, with that being said, you, you guys think this is a power move on Adrian Broner's um, behalf a can man now I, I don't know man this is it scratched my head too because i don't know who actually went in this one because you know don king he's kind of been on the, the downsides of promoter for a while now where a lot of promoters want to work with him a lot of fighters don't want to work with him you know so it might be hard for him to make fights but he still has a lot of money you know so he's still in the game kind of ab is like I think it might be a result of if you just left PBC, you left, you know, BK, BLK Prime, who are you going to work with? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and who would want you at this stage of your career? Because even though AB is, you know, he he's still young enough where he can get something out of him. He's he's unstable enough where you, you just don't know. He, it's He's unpredictable uh, when it comes to his career. Sometimes it's like some days he's dedicated and some days he's not dedicated, you know, and how that plays out is a risk. Um, so I'm not sure who even losing the situation because it's like, of course, you know, Don King could take Adrian Broner's money, but at the same time, 
AJ Broner is, is, is unpredictable enough where Don King may not even make any money off AJ Broner, you know, and who are you going to put him in there with, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's interesting. You know, I, the only person I could, the only way I could see this working out is if they make a deal with, you know, if he fights someone that's with, you know, go to boy or something like that. Cause I, I could see Oscar, you know, dealing with Don King in a way because Oscar always says what he will won't do and he'll do it anyway. But even as a stretch, so it's like, wh- who who do you fight? You know, so that's a a top notch fighter who signs for a promoter that's not Don King. Like, who are you gonna fight? So it's an interesting uh, chain of events. I'm I'm curious to see where it goes from here and, and what happens. And whenever the next fight happens, I'm, I'm wondering what that fight is. <laughs> so what are y'all thoughts? Yeah, man. Last time we talked about AB when he advertised his free agency on Instagram. Um, I said that from a business standpoint, he almost reminds me of like Bud Crawford, you know, like he and that's independent of them as a boxer. Right. But after this move, I realized I was actually being disrespectful to Bud. And so I apologize to you for that, brother. Um, You know, as it pertains to this, I only know as much as you guys do. But to me, it seems like he still only wants like a yes man, you know, Um, and I suspect that Don King sold him some wolf tickets that he that he bought because he told him what he wanted to hear but you can't really point to a fight of substance that don king has made recently and even the fights that he's made have been janky like i don't is he still even promoting like makabu uh junior like the, the cruiserweight like i don't know but he hasn't made any noise in boxing and this is somebody who's supposed to be having world championship aspirations so you know i wish ab the best but to me if he was serious about getting in the ring with champions, he would have signed to someone like a match room where the money probably wouldn't have been what he wanted. But if you say you're a world champ, then you sign maybe a three fight deal and better your boxing ability to get you there. Then you demand the money. But he's shown me that, you know, when he tries to he, he's better off basically. Letting someone else decide the boxing for him that is capable because PBC was still trying to do that. Omar Figueroa was someone that was designed to be a good comeback fight for him, you know? And so I think that from a matchmaking standpoint, I don't see him, I don't think he would have signed with Golden Boy or Tarank, but of those major promoters, matchroom would have been the next best thing from a matchmaking standpoint, you know, for him, so... Um, but good luck to the brother though. You know, I, I love to see a black man getting money. I just hope that's what, what actually happens and that stuff actually plays out. But I still think he should have just, if he was going to get some BOK prime bread, I would have waited it out a little bit longer, but it's whatever. What about you, Will? I think it's better than BOK prime, but nah, I can't, can, he can get him a few fights here and there. It won't be against the top level guys. I think best case scenario for him is to do a fight, generate a little bit of buzz, and then hopefully somebody will reach out to him and then he could, you know, piggyback off of that. But, like, initially, it's just going to be just, you know, a startup for him because he's right now he's desperate. You know, he burnt a lot of bridges. He was at a point in his career, he was saying that's Jay-Z, the money that he was giving him, $40 million, was kind of a slap in the face. You know, that 40 million look real good right now. You know what I'm saying? And so um, 
I'm not going to take a dump on him. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, I think he's, you know, desperate times calls for des- desperate measures. And that's where he is. In this infamous picture that they uh, took recently, I think this is indicative of the relationship um, between King and AB. You know, it's a whole bunch of money on the table. Obviously, that's Don King's. The money AB's holding, that's what he signed for. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, anything else you got on that bill? Yeah, you're right. You're right, man. And it's, I just can't see why with some. I, I can't see why somebody signed with Don King even at this point in their career because I can't think of one fighter who's had a, who who can confidently say, "Hey, Don King didn't take any money from me," or or I'm all right with what Don King paid me, even if he did take some money. I mean, when you look at Mike Tyson, Zab Judah, uh, Felix Trinidad, you know, say file for bankruptcy, you know, all these different guys. The only one I think hasn't said anything. You know, negative about Don King promoting them is uh what Julio Cesar Chavez. And that's probably because I didn't even research it. So it's it's, it's it's interesting why Adrian Broner would want to deal with Don King. But as you said, yay, when you're desperate, you'll do desperate things. Because when I look at you know when I read about some of the things that Don King has done, you know, money wise, um, allegedly, I'm gonna say that allegedly because none of this stuff is like. We don't know 100%. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Paying people, you know, bread and then charging them for all the training expenses, like towels and, like, you use my facility, it wasn't free. I mean, business is business, but, I mean, at this point, fighters should know better. They should know better. So, I don't even feel bad if it goes bad for AB because that's on him right now. So, Shout out to Tank. Tank said in that picture, he said he look about the same age. But I, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> him and Tank cool though. You know what I mean? Just letting him messing with him. Yeah. All right, you know, AB, you know, about business. He doing his thing over there. Anybody can get money. Yes, sir. But um, you know, our last topic of the day, I believe, is going to be about Yadanis Ugas. You know, Ugas got that fine piece. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna be taking on Mario Barrios. Uh, for the interim WBC belt. Um, and that fight is targeted for July. And so that was ordered, like I said, by the WBC. Do you like the matchup that was ordered by the WBC president? Yeah, and this is for, I believe, the WBC interim welterweight title. And I like this fight for Ugas, you know, coming back from that, um, that loss to Errol Spence where he was, you know, had some orbital bone damage. Uh, but he's coming back against someone. Hope that you pretty much, um, even though Barrios is coming was coming back from his own, you know, stoppage uh, loss against Tank. He's had a fight in between, and he had a few fights in between, in and uh, and looking at how he looked in those fights, um, even though he looks vulnerable, he looks like he's he's still you know fresh, you know. So it's still a good bout. It'll be entertaining bout, but I think you know Ugas will be you know too good for someone of that level is levels to this game and, and Mario Barrios is not even on a level of a, a Ugas coming off a loss against you know a top the, the number one welterweight today so um so I think Ugas will will outbox uh, Mario Barrios to a decision I don't think he's gonna stop him but it'll be a decision um and I think it's a good fight for Ugas even for Mario Barrios I think it's a good fight not like a fight where he you know I'm a, I, I'm confident that he'll win but I think it's a fight 
for someone who is vulnerable like that, they're not going to take too much punishment, you know, and they, they can get some rounds in and, 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 you know, turn in at least a decent performance, even if they do lose. So I think it's a good fight for both of them. Well, I think I heard you say something that's interesting. Did you say he lost against the number one welterweight? Sir? Hey, Danny, you there? Bill, you hear me? I won't talk it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. see what he's doing. Oh, uh, you're not, you're not going to answer that? His, his cell phone breaking up. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll revisit that later. So, if this fight gets me, I'm not mad at it. Both the point of view of like this being a comeback fight for Ugas and it being a step up fight for Barrios at welterweight. But if you look at the context of the WBC welterweight landscape, it's, it's kind of like weird because you already have a mandatory in Keith Thurman. Ugas is number two, Barrios is number five, but he was number 10th until he beat Sandy Santiago. And then he jumped up to number five. So like that jump is weird in and of itself. But then you have the third rank Crowley who's fighting next week, fighting six ranked uh, Ramos as an eliminator. And the winner is supposed to fight the winner of this fight. And so now you're going to have an interim titleist and a mandatory. It don't make sense to me, you know? Like, I don't know what, what Suleiman or or any of these sanctioned bodies be on sometime. Like, if you're going to make a fight, like, call it an eliminator, but it sounds like this is going to be for a belt that they're just now making up. And why do that when you already have a mandatory? But it's going to be a good fight, though. It's, I mean, I like the, the fight itself. I just thought that was weird. But that's all I got. Back to you, Phil. Phil, you there? Let me stop. I'm sorry, man. I had I had uh, the, the, the sound down, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to turn it up. I was like, why ain't anybody talking, man? I had to turn the sound up. Okay, but the question was, at one point in your statement, your eloquently put statement, you said that uh, Ugas lost against the number one welterweight. Is that, is that what you, you think Spence is the number one welterweight? I guess his volume went out again. I said he's 1A. <laughs> Okay. Well, I just want to clarification, sir. No, you know, it's no biggie. You know, no biggie smarts. I mean, no. huh? I mean, he didn't, I mean, who guys didn't lose against the fifth of the weights? So. I'm just saying, I just wanted to know, sir. I'm not, it's, it's, there was no trick question. I just, this <laughs> one that I heard you. That's all. He's 1A, man. 1A, 1B. Okay. I don't think it's, it's, and then it's a two. <laughs> Okay, okay. So Spence is the man at World Twitter, according to Vail. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Spence is 1A and Terrence Crawford is 1B. What, what comes before 4B? You can switch them. You can say A. Oh, okay, okay. No, Terrence you... Crawford is 1A, Spence is 1B. But you know okay, what? Right, so you switch still them. the number one at welterweight. Until, you... until there's a, a unified champ. Uh, well, I take that. Fail is switching his tune now, folks. But anyway, um, <laughs> what I was saying as far as this fight is concerned is it's a cool fight, especially for Ugas coming back, long layoff, you know, having his eye injured in the magnitude in which it was injured. That's cool. Just don't make this an eliminator. Like, y'all keep forcing Barrios on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude, out of all of the welterweights, I don't think that he should be in no eliminator. There's too many good welterweights. But you're going to tell me Mario Barrios? Like, what does he have on the WBC in order for him to keep getting all of these opportunities? Not that he's a bad guy. He's just not as talented as all of those guys that we want to see face each other. Put those dudes in a mandatory 
position. Just have let Ugas fight this this guy. Whoever wins is gonna fight for the interim, whatever. Now I know what the I know you know game recognized game. I know what you're doing, Suleiman. You're just trying to put these little trinkets up there so you can collect your sanctioning fees. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You want to go ahead and go on your little trips and you know add to your mansion. You know I know what you're doing, but at the end of the day, man, it's just. You you messing the game up. You just you messing it up for the fans because you putting too many of these trinkets out there. Where get your money another way. You know what I'm saying? Just stop handing out a belt, a belt for you, a belt for you. Every you know what I'm saying? You doing your Oprah Winfrey? Stop it, bro. You guys have anything else on this? Nope, no, sir. You got anything else in closing? You guys um, anything else you want to say? You know before we wrap things up? Yeah, man. If you don't already. To the listeners, please check us out on the YouTube. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash at last ones at the bar. You know, we chop up this content, but we also put some YouTube exclusive content on there. But that's all I got. Yeah, that's 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 perfect, man. You know, and shout out to the new subs that we're getting. We're starting to add more and more. Um, we had we were like at a a, a pause for a minute. I don't know if it was YouTube, not putting the information out or what. But now we're starting to um, increase as far as the new sub subs. And in the future, I'll be more mindful and keep an eye out for those people who subscribe to our YouTube station. And I try to shout you out in the future. Um, but on that note, man, very good, lengthy conversation. You know, I was on fumes this week. You know, again, special shout out to Veil, you know, um, helping me out, even with the minor hiccup of him, you know, um, taking away the opportunity for me to um be able to use my john you know first and it, and it was a number one <laughs> just want to put that out there <laughs> regardless you know what i mean there ain't no tissue <laughs> in there you know so but it's all good Vel. you did a re- very good job man you're such a respectable guy man anytime that you're in the area you you saw like it's, it's some really nice amenities and things around there nice restaurants if you you know when you come over there you as well, Danny. Hopefully we can broadcast over in that area. Bill saw some slick stuff over there that he liked and that he wants to record at. And so we can do that in the future as well. But man, hopefully everybody have a great week and hopefully it's a productive one. On that note, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.